The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. NetSuite by Oracle brings accounting, finance, inventory, and HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce costs everywhere. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. So head to netsuite.com slash wallstreet right now. General Electric was worth almost $600 billion in 2000. Today, it's just over $100 billion. That's one-sixth of what it was worth at its peak. It's a staggering fall from grace that will be studied in business schools for years to come. So what went wrong, and can it be fixed? I'm Alex Yule. Welcome to The Readback. Today, we're joined by Al Root. Hey, Al. Hi, Alex. You spend a ton of your time writing about GE, and they, those stories end up being some of the most read stories on our website. And I got to say, I mean, that always surprises me. I mean, GE is barely a shell of itself anymore. Why do people still want to read about this company? Why do people still care so much about GE? Well, first of all, I take umbrage to the <laughs> idea that one of my beloved industrials wouldn't rate on the level of Apple or Amazon. But I think GE resonates for a few reasons, not the least of which is there are hundreds of thousands of retirees still that are impacted by decisions that the company makes about its pension and healthcare benefits. And reading your stories on Barron's.com. Definitely reading the stories. I mean, the company has been around, I think it turns 128 this year. So it's been around for a long time. It's the iconic American manufacturer. And it's still one of the largest industrial companies in the world and still has a lot of fascinating products. GE still makes the largest jet engine in the world, now powering Boeing's new 777X. It's called the GE 9X engine. It's like 11 or 12 feet wide, has carbon fiber composite blades. So there's still a lot going on. I want to talk about what GE is and what it could still become. But before we can do that, we really need to go way back and explain how GE came to be. So take us back to 1892, Al. It started with the great American inventor of the light bulb and the phonograph. This is Thomas Edison's company, and so General Electric was about electricity. This was about delivering electricity into people's homes for the first time. So it's no stretch to say this is the company that powered America. Right. So it's growing as uh, the country is electrifying, and then, you know, it starts to power locomotives. It starts to power planes. It powers the turbines that generate electricity. Got it. It makes the appliances that run off electricity. It's all about electricity. And then they had a finance business, right? They would finance the jet engines and these huge capital purchases. And then somewhere along the way, there's always this art and science, this balance between, you know, making good deals, bad deals, good decisions and bad decisions. They got into banking. They started selling life insurance. They started doing credit cards. And then it got even a little bit weirder. Yeah, in 1986, they bought NBC. They were a media company. So they have this credit card business. They have an equipment finance business. They have all of these industrial businesses. So it's this hybrid, and they're bringing you the local news and the national news. Almost to cement General Electric's role in culture, in 2006, NBC, still owned by General Electric at this point, created a primetime sitcom about an industrial conglomerate owning a media company. I'm Jack Donaghy, new VP of development for NBC GE Universal Kmart. 
I like the narrative like this, right? So in the 80s and 90s, we had Jack Welsh. He was the iconic American CEO. The business guru, uh, Jim Collins, wrote a book, Good to Great, about how amazing GE's management culture was. So somewhere along the line, they lost their way somehow. And then you get the NBC acquisition in 1986, 30 Rock, a comedy on NBC, comes out in 2006. And this whole GE management culture gets satirized with this, you know, business 101 executive, Alec Baldwin, trying to manage all these creative personalities at a media company. It's a great office, but sometimes you have to change things that are perfectly good just to uh, make them your own. It was an incredible moment of foreshadowing where the artist said to themselves, like, this feels very weird to be commanded by, you know, a suit from General Electric. And, you know, if you sold the stock when 30 Rock premiered in 06, you would have saved yourself an incredible amount of pain. I mean, the timing is fascinating because, of course, 2008 was a financial crisis. GE is now a huge bank, and the financial crisis really hurt banks. So this was really, in some ways, the beginning of the end for GE. Right, so the stock very roughly gets cut in half through the credit crisis. The bank has to shrink materially and so it goes from sort of a $50 to $60 stock to a $20 to $30 stock. And then so for the next 10 years, it's sort of growing off that base. And then in 2015, the company makes a really large bet on coal-fired power generation. Just as everything else is starting to come back from the financial crisis. Right. They make the strategic decision to do a multi-billion dollar deal with a French company buying uh, turbines that turn coal-generated steam into electricity. Coal. Right when the world is moving away from coal, now, you know, they knew that. Yeah. What they thought was, okay, we'll be a larger power organization, we can cut costs, we'll have a more diverse portfolio. And maybe the critical error was not understanding how fast coal-fired power generation was going to fall out of favor. So now we get to 2018, coal is not doing well. They were wrong with that deal, and the stock basically bottoms where? So they take a $20 billion write-off in the steam power unit. In 2018. In 2018. They basically write off the entire value of the deal that they completed just like three years earlier. And we fall to $8, basically. And and I think the, the bottom in the stock actually had a six handle. Wow. But so it was sub $10 at okay. the end of 2018 as people just piled on the sell orders and got out of the stock as rapidly as they could. All right. We're about the same age, Al. I'm going to make a bet and guess that your kitchen and your light fixtures were filled with GE products growing up. Mm -hmm. Today, GE doesn't even make those products anymore, do they? No. They've been selling assets for a long period of time. So refrigerators, light bulbs, we still can buy them. They think they're still brands of GE, yep. but they're not made by GE. Yeah, the appliances got sold to a Chinese company a few years back called Hire. So you can still go and buy a GE fridge. It's just not manufactured by GE. Okay. Uh, same thing with the light bulbs. They used to make locomotives. They sold that business. And so what they're left with is a power division that mm -hmm. still makes turbines that generate electricity. They have renewable power too. They have the windmills, those giant onshore windmills that uh, you see driving down the highway. Okay. They're still a dominant producer of jet engines, big aerospace and defense business, which is very profitable and well run. And they still have capital, which finances aircrafts along with all of these other products that they continue to make. They also still have the healthcare division, which makes PET scanners and uh, CT machines, MRI and, machines and ultrasounds. Right. That sort of capital equipment is still part of their DNA. 
This thing is going to be studied in business school books. It already is. But Al, I'm interested in, in your ideas here. What are the lessons that we have learned and are going to continue to learn from General Electric? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I think sometimes we spend so much time talking about what the stock is going to do over the next 12 months. We don't really realize that there's a lot to learn to make us better investors by by going back a little bit. And you know, in the case of GE, one is I don't like large transformational acquisitions. I don't like huge deals done with debt sometimes that become a huge portion of the strategy or overall business. I think that there is academic literature. I think there's tons of anecdotal evidence. I think everybody knows it's better to do small, what we call bolt-on acquisitions than large transformational deals. That's one. Another one is a company's cash flow is sacrosanct. You can't spend earnings. You can only spend cash. And GE spent billions of dollars over many years buying back stock. I bet you if they look back into the recent history, they say, man, we really could have used that money. People say, well, you know, nobody knows the company better than the managers. So stock buybacks are a positive signal for value investors. And that's true. But there should be a hyper focus on cash flow. And the third lesson is, and maybe I'm biased by my background, but industrial companies should make industrial things. I mean, it was a media company. It was a banking enterprise. And if you look ahead, I think what GE will be known for is not so much, you know, the managerial excellence of the 80s and 90s. They will be known as, going forward, a premier engineering firm with engineering excellence at the core of what they do. They make the biggest, coolest most complex machines in the world. Their largest engine, it's like 11 feet wide and has carbon composite fan blades. I mean, these are incredibly impressive machines. And I'm happier that this is what GE will be in the future. Al, you got the chance to actually interview GE's new CEO, Mm -hmm. Larry Culp, last week, right? Right. How did that conversation go? What is he talking about these days? I would characterize him as, oh goodness, he'll probably hate this, but he's central casting. He's a little taller than I am. He's a, he's a <laughs> handsome and optimistic guy. That's a tough bar to meet, Al. Well, I didn't say he's handsomer than I am. I just, <laughs> he's taller. Good point. The thing that in, has impressed me about Larry to this point is the speed with which he took action. Over the last 12 or 14 months, uh, GE has sold you know, upwards of $30 billion in assets. They've done 12 deals. They've sort of attacked the balance sheet, getting debt down. Mm -hmm. You know, he has used the words dismantling the power headquarters has been used. They've completely redone the management structure and the power division, and he's targeting, you know, billions of dollars in cost reduction. So he sort of came in and took a look and said, this requires some radical steps. Now, You asked him to actually grade himself. He gave himself an incomplete grade from what I recall from your story. But investors are certainly very happy, at least in the last year, right? Right. So it's all a question of timing to a certain extent. The stock was up 53%, I think, in 2019, right around 50%, better than the market. Okay. It's first, you know, big positive return in three years. And it was back on the radar as something that was actually ownable for large institutional or even retail shareholders. Okay. And- the stock now, it's an incredibly controversial stock. Price targets on Wall Street range from $5 to $18 a share. And that $13 spread is more than 100% of the current stock price. Mm. So basically, we have a very big spread here of opinion from Wall Street as to how GE is going to do in the coming year. Right. And to tie it all back to Mr. Culp, 
you know, the Bulls tend to say, look, Larry has taken a dramatic action. He has a great track record at his former company, Danaher. We believe Larry can drive change and cut costs and get these businesses onto sort of a sustainable path. And so if GE isn't making light bulbs anymore, they're not making refrigerators anymore, we talked about some of the things they are making, what do you think GE becomes known for if it can succeed in kind of its renaissance? What is GE known for three to five years from now? So looking ahead, right? So this is still a turnaround. Okay. So it will be a smaller, more focused organization. In three to five years from now, its dominant franchise will still be commercial aerospace. Jet engines. Jet engines. Mm -hmm. They will remain one of the dominant producers globally of jet engines for aerospace and defense applications. They'll be servicing those engines. The great thing about aerospace is the original equipment makers get to service all this stuff. And GE has about 65,000 engines out there. On airplanes. On airplanes uh, to do work on out into the future. It will still do power. It will do gas-fired power mainly. Those are the turbines. Turbines will still use gas and natural gas to generate electricity around the world for years. They'll also do renewable power. So it'll be renewables, power will be smaller, aerospace will be bigger, and they will continue to have some healthcare business, but even that could go maybe at some point in the future. And General Electric will still be known for powering things, mainly aerospace engines around the world. And then after sort of the, you know, the turnaround is complete, mm -hmm. maybe in a year or two when people say, okay, the balance sheet's in line and, and we're happy with the size of GE Capital, the bank that they still maintain. That's when Larry can turn and look out into the future and say, you know what, we need to make this small acquisition or that small acquisition. It. And it can be sort of a whole new chapter for General Electric out in the future. Wow. So the conglomerate grows again. Are we talking about a $500 billion stock at some point again in GE's future? Well, that's a great question. That's always one of those. You remember when Dow 10,000 and somebody wrote the book, Dow 40,000? Uh -huh. You know, just by virtue of compounding- You heard it, it here will, first. It'll probably be a $500 billion stock at some point out in the next 100 years. Okay. But, you know, I do think that the outlook is far better than it was. I don't think even the bears would say that Culp and the new management philosophy and the new management team have- restored stability. I think people would agree stability has been restored. Now we're arguing about, you know, what's it worth? How much will they be making out into the future? So there is a level of optimism there. I think people should just focus for now on, you know, the market's forward-looking. It's always want to say, okay, what's the next year look like? Yeah. The outlook for commercial aerospace is very good. The power outlook still continues to be challenged. The problem with power is the world's moving away from fossil fuel-based power generation. So that problem is going to be with the company for a long time. They're right. going to be managing a declining business. And maybe that's an area for acquisitions going forward. Well, we've been talking about history and lessons. A good lesson from history in a declining business is to combine and then continue to cut costs. I think at this point, just because of GE's history, they would much rather sell assets mm. than buy assets. Okay. So I think power will continue to get smaller and Got it'll it. try to focus on these end markets that are still growing. All right, well, we're going to watch and we will have you back on to talk about GE in the future. Thanks so much, Al. Thanks, Alex. To read Al's ongoing reporting about GE, check out barons.com. I'm Alex Yule. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. The show will return next Wednesday.